Section 4 of Abe and Morris. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Abe and Morris, Being Further Adventures of Potash and Perlmutter, by Montague Glass. Chapter 3. Dead Men's Shoes, Part 2. When Max Gershon entered the salesroom of Potash and Perlmutter that afternoon, Abe treated the incident as though it were the arrival of an intimate friend after an absence of many years' duration. "'How you feelin' now, Max?' he said. And then he introduced his partner. "'Morris,' he called. "'This is my friend, Mr. Max Gershon. Get the cigars from the safe, Morris.' After he had relieved his visitor of his hat and coat, he drew forward a comfortable chair and literally thrust Max into it. "'Well, Max,' Abe said, after the cigars had gone around, "'I sure am glad to see you. Morris, don't he look like his uncle, old man Baum?' Morris regarded Max critically for a moment. "'Old man Baum was a pretty good-looking fella, Abe.' he said, but he wasn't so tall as Mr. Gershon. Otherwise, they are the same identical people. Never mind his looks, Max said, beaming. If I should have only his business ability, I would be satisfied. He made plenty money in his time, Morris commented. Yes, and lost it again, too, Max added. But what's the use talking? Money I ain't in need of exactly, you understand? You need goods, Max, Abe said. Is that it? "'Well, I do and I don't, Abe,' Max replied. "'The fact is, Abe, I got a good business down in Johnsville, "'but I couldn't extend it none on account the place ain't big enough. "'Former times that was all cattle country round there, "'and now it's all truck farms and cotton. "'And what sort of business could a dry goods merchant do with cotton hands, ain't I right?' "'Abe nodded. "'I tell you the honest truth, Abe,' Max continued. I would like to sell out and come north. I got an idea if I would find some hustling young fellow up here which he got at a good department store, good but small, you understand, in a live town, Abe. I would go with him as partners together, and we could extend the business and make a good thing of it. Abe looked at Morris, and then he slapped his thigh with his open hand. By Jiminy, he cried, I got the very thing for you, Max. Morris gazed at his partner with raised eyebrows, and then he, too, slapped his thigh. "'Alex Kronberg!' he exclaimed. "'That's the fella,' Abe said. "'There's a man, Max, which he is honest like the day and smart as a cutting machine. I know him since he was a baby, you understand? And he's worked his way up till now he's got a fine business in Bridgetown. Only yesterday, he says to me, if he could get a live partner with a little capital, you understand, he would soon got the biggest store in Bridgetown. What for a town is Bridgetown? Max asked. Bridgetown is all right, Max, Abe said. I give you my word, Max, they got so many factories there which they burn soft coal on the brightest days you couldn't see the sun at all. It is an elegant place, Max. And what is more, Max, Morris added, only last Saturday night, Alex tells me the store was so crowded two saleswomen fainted. It sounds good, Max admitted. Who did you say owns the store? Alex Kronberg, Morris replied. Kronberg, Kronberg, Max repeated. 
the name sounds familiar when did you say he would be here he ought to be in here every minute abe said hardly had he spoken when the elevator door clanged and alex himself entered he glistened with perspiration and his round good-humoured face bore a broad grin Fooey! he cried i'm all heated up what's the trouble alex morris asked i just ran into aaron and uncle moshe coming out of a coffee-house and the way them two suckers cussed me out morris you wouldn't believe it at all i couldn't understand what they was talking about morris but they mentioned your name and something about moshe's house on madison street abe glared at morris and then turned to alex with a forced smile don't you bother yourself about them fellows alex he said what do i care for em abe alex replied i got my own troubles sure morris broke in but what they say about the house alex so far what i could hear morris aaron says that you're trying to buy from moshe the house no such thing alex believe me abe interrupted but aaron says he's already got a customer for the house alex went on and who do you think it is abe wiped his forehead with his handkerchief and continued to glare at morris i don't know who it is abe said and what's more, I don't care. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine, Alex. This is Mr. Max Gershon from Johnsville, Texas. I'm pleased to meet you, Mr. Gershon, Alex replied. Yes, Morris. Aaron said he sold the house already, and who do you think he sold it to? Morris made an inarticulate noise, which he intended as an expression of curiosity. A friend of yours by the name Leon Samet, Alex Kronberg said. You see how it is, Aaron Kronberg said to his Uncle Moshe, as they passed down Fifth Avenue after their encounter with Alex. You see how he is. The fella is a desperate character, Uncle Moshe. You couldn't make him mad even. A low life, Uncle Moshe cried, shaking his head from side to side. His mother before him was just such another like him. I could spit blood hollering at that woman she wouldn't answer me back at all well now you got it aaron retorted triumphantly and so if you would start to sell your house to his friend perlmutter the least that happens to you is they would do you for the whole thing maybe you're right uncle moshe admitted and so i'm going to take you over to see a friend of mine by the name of leon samet aaron continued and if you want to leave the thing to me uncle moshe i am certain sure i could get you a good price for the house certain sure nobody could be of getting a good price for a house in these times aaron uncle moshe said real estate on the east side is way down aaron the subway ruins everything i don't care about subways nor nothing aaron cried i would get you what you want for that house what would you consider a good price for the house uncle a very good price would be forty-two to fifty uncle moshe replied but me, I would be willing to accept forty thousand. Well, looky here, Aaron commenced. I'm going to do this for you, Uncle Moshe. I'm going to get Leon Samet to give you not forty thousand or forty-two to fifty neither. I'm going to get Leon Samet to give you forty-three thousand for the house, Uncle. But I only do it on one condition, Uncle. And what is that? Uncle Moshe said. I would do it for you only on one condition. You come to live with me at Port Sullivan, Aaron concluded 
and also you must give me to take care of it for you all the cash money you got for the house uncle mosher frowned as he drew from his pocket a small packet wrapped in newspaper then he proceeded to unwrap until there was exposed the unburnt half of a large black cigar it was all that remained of morris perlmutter's gift and uncle mosher carefully knocked the ash off before he put it in his mouth why don't you answer me aaron asked i got to think ain't i uncle mosher mumbled as he paused to light up he puffed away in silence until they had nearly reached the entrance to samet brothers place of business schon gut aaron uncle mosher said at length i will do it with this here exception i would sell the house for forty three thousand dollars subject to a first mortgage of twenty five thousand dollars and a second mortgage of ninety two hundred and fifty dollars that leaves eighty seven hundred and fifty dollars balance ain't it aaron nodded then this here sabbat is to pay seven hundred and fifty dollars cash on signing the contract and eight thousand dollars on closing the title uncle mosher declared and the exception is that you should take care of the eight thousand dollars but the seven hundred and fifty dollars belongs to me and i could do what i like with it for ten minutes aaron argued with his uncle in front of samet brothers building but all to no purpose for uncle mosher remained unmoved either he was to receive the seven hundred and fifty dollars on the signing of the contract or the entire deal was off and at length he prevailed all right aaron said you should have the seven hundred and fifty but one thing you must gotta do when we got into leon samet's loft i want you to let me and leon speak a few words something alone together are you agreeable sure why not uncle mosher agreed you got to work the feller up to buying the house yet ain't you aaron nodded gloomily as they entered the elevator and when it stopped at samet brothers floor he strode out so rapidly that uncle mosher who had never before visited samet brothers hardly noticed his nephew's exit before he could follow aaron the elevator attendant slammed the door and it was not reopened until uncle mosher had expressed his agitation in a burst of spirited profanity did you see that aaron he exclaimed after he caught up to his nephew i came pretty close to getting killed just now in that there elevator why don't you keep your eyes open aaron asked callously now you sit down here and wait until i'm coming out he entered leon samet's private office and as soon as uncle mosher found himself alone in the showroom he clenched the butt of his cigar between his yellow teeth and explored his pockets for pencil and paper having found them he was soon plunged in a maze of figures representing the profit in going short of seven hundred shares on a one-point margin assuming that the market dropped eight points in ten days hello aaron leon samet cried when he caught sight of the younger kronberg aaron nodded with half-closed eyes sit down aaron leon continued you look worried i bet you aaron replied why do you think of that sucker what's alex been doing now leon asked alex what do you mean alex aaron said alex ain't worried about it all i mean uncle mosher kronberg 
forthwith he unfolded to leon the sum of his uncle's iniquities sparing no detail of his own well-nigh ruined prospects and ending with an account of uncle moshe's interrupted deal with morris perlmutter leon slammed the top of his desk with his open hand before i would let that shark perlmutter get to the house i would buy it myself sure i know aaron replied i thought you would leon but that ain't necessary all i want you to do is this leon i told the old man i can get you to buy the house for forty three thousand dollars forty three thousand leon exclaimed why that house ain't worth forty three thousand what do i care what it's worth aaron replied the game is this leon you will buy the house for me aaron with my money you got to pay seven hundred and fifty cash on signing the contract and the balance of eight thousand dollars above the mortgages you got to pay when the title is closed. I fixed it with the old man that he is to give me the $8,000 to take care of for him. See? So when the title is closed, I will give you $8,000 to give Moshe, and Moshe will turn it back to me. And Leon, if he ever sees that $8,000 again, it won't be this side of the grave. Leon nodded. Meantime, you got the house, he said. Exactly, Aaron replied. I get the house. All it cost me is $750 cash, and I also get unloaded on me for the rest of his life, the old man. And while I don't wish him any harm, you understand, Gotzalhutten, anything should happen to him, Leon. It couldn't come too soon for me. I bet you, Leon said fervently. And now let's get him in here and we'll all go down to Henry D. Feldman's office and fix the matter up. Two hours later, Leon and Uncle Moshe had signed a contract for the sale of the Madison Street house, title to be closed and deed to be delivered within 30 days. The purchase price was stated to be $43,000, payable as follows. $34,250 by the vendee taking the house, subject to mortgages aggregating that amount, $750 cash on signing the contract, and a balance of $8,000 in cash or certified check at the closing of the title. Prior to leaving his office, Leon had cashed Aaron Kronberg's check for $750, and the money, in bills of large denomination, was turned over to Moshe Kronberg, who tucked them carefully away in his breast pocket. Well, Aaron, he said after the operation was completed, I guess I'll be going back to Madison Street. Wait, I'll go along with you, Aaron cried. Don't you trouble yourself. Uncle Moshe declared with a confidential wink at Leon Samet and Henry D. Feldman. I could take care of myself, all right. What are you going to do with all that money, Mr. Kronberg? Leon asked as Uncle Moshe turned to leave. The old man paused with his hand on the door, and once more he favored his questioner with a significant wink. Leave that to me, he said. The thirty days succeeding Morris Perlmutter's visit to Madison Street were busy ones for all the Kronbergs. Alex had accompanied Max Gershon to Bridgetown, where conditions more than fulfilled Abe's glowing account, and the formation of the Kronberg Gershon Dry Goods Company proceeded without delay. As for Aaron Kronberg, he found that the borrowing of eight thousand dollars, even for so short a period, as would be necessary to consummate the Madison Street deal, was no easy task. At length, he raised the sum by paying a large bonus to his bankers in Port Sullivan, 
and it was deposited to the credit of Samet Brothers four days before the closing of the title. Meantime, Uncle Moshe had not neglected the opportunity afforded him during his last few days of liberty. With his $750 he had sought the brokerage offices of Klingberg & Company the morning after signing his contract with Leon Samet. There, he selected American chocolate and cocoa as the medium of his speculation and promptly went short of 700 on a one-point margin. The same afternoon he was within a sixteenth of being wiped out when the market turned, and nearly one month later he took his profit of $2,100, which, with the original investment minus the brokerage, amounted to $2,800. Never no more, he said to the brokerage firm's cashier as he drew his profit. I am through once it and for all. No one could get me to touch another share of stock so long as I live. With this solemn declaration, he passed out of Klingberg & Company's office just as a short, stout man burst into the hall from a door-marked customer's. Wow! the short, stout man exclaimed. Warum wow? Uncle Moshe asked. Amalgamated refineries goes up four points on six sales in half an hour, the short stout man replied, and I win two thousand. The short stout man started down the hall and executed a fantastic dancing step in front of the elevators, while Uncle Moshe entered the door marked customers. Mr. Klingberg, he said handing Klingberg and Company's $2,800 check to that firm's senior partner. Buy me 1,000 shares amalgamated refineries at the market. An hour later, he walked leisurely along Madison Street, and as he approached his own doorway, Aaron Kronberg swooped down upon him. Uncle Moshe, he almost screamed. Where was you? Where was I? Uncle Moshe replied. Why, I was uh, where I was. That's where I was. What difference does it make to you where I was? What difference does it make to me? Aaron cried. Ain't I putting up the, uh, don't you know you was due at Henry D. Feldman's office to close your title at one o'clock, and here it is half past one already. For a minute, Uncle Moshe's face fell. In the excitement of following the profitable course of his speculation, he had completely forgotten his real estate transaction, but he quickly recovered his composure. Oh, well, he said, let him wait. The house won't run away, Aaron. Let's go get a cup of coffee somewheres. Coffee nothing, Aaron growled. You're coming right along with me. I got a carriage waiting for you. He hustled the old man into a decrepit conveyance that was drawn up to the curve, and they started immediately for Henry D. Feldman's office. Honest, Aaron, Uncle Moshe sighed. I feel like I was riding to my own funeral. Don't worry, Uncle Moshe, Aaron said. With the tourists which I got it lately, you would quicker ride to mine. Well, Aaron, Uncle Moshe rejoined. As old man Baum used to say, we all got to die sooner or later, Aaron. And all we could take with us is our good name. You wouldn't got to pay no excess baggage rates on that, Aaron said, as the carriage came to a stop in front of Feldman's office building. 
Two minutes later, they entered the offices of Henry D. Feldman and were ushered immediately into the presence of that distinguished advocate himself. As they passed through the doorway, Feldman rose from his seat. He was not alone, for at one side of a long library table sat Leon Samet, while opposite to him a tall, sandy-haired person methodically arranged various bundles of paper which he drew out of capacious pasteboard envelopes. "'Ah, gentlemen, you're here at last,' Feldman cried. "'Mr. Jones, this is Mr. Kronberg and his nephew, Mr. Aaron Kronberg. Mr. Jones is a representative of the Land Insurance and Title Guarantee Company, who, at my request, has examined the title to your house, Mr. Kronberg.' "'All right.' Uncle Moshe said. I ain't scared of him. I own the house since 1890 already. It's pretty near 20 years, and they ain't paid no Confederate money for it neither. Mr. Jones cleared his throat noisily, and as he did so, a round white object leaped from beneath his collar and bumped against his chin. It was his Adam's apple. Did you say you owned the house 20 years? he inquired in tones of such profundity that Feldman was obliged to ask him to repeat his question. At the second repetition, Uncle Moshe said that it might be a month less than twenty years. The record shows that you bought the house a little more than nineteen years ago, Mr. Jones continued. His manner suggested a hanging judge in the act of assuming the black cap, and therefore you could claim no adverse possession even assuming there were no disabilities. "'What do you mean, claim?' Uncle Moshe asked with asperity. "'I don't claim nothing. I already got seven hundred and fifty dollars, and there is coming to me eight thousand dollars more.' "'I think, Mr. Jones,' Feldman interrupted, "'I ought to explain to Mr. Kronberg the locus in quo.' Aaron Kronberg turned pale and wiped a few drops of perspiration from his forehead. "'What is there to explain, Mr. Feldman?' he broke in. Go ahead and close the title to the property. I couldn't sit here all day. There's a great deal to be explained, Feldman continued. He is unable to convey good title to the property non-constat he received indeed of it in 1890. I never heard tell of the feller at all, Uncle Moshe exclaimed. I am the only one which received a deed of the property. Feldman gazed at Uncle Moshe for one dazed moment, and then proceeded. The last owner in Mr. Kronberg's claim of title, I mean his immediate vendor, was the only surviving collateral of an interstate, he said. That's where you make a big mistake, Uncle Moshe interrupted. The fellow which I bought the house from was a salesman for a shirt concern. Feldman glared at Uncle Moshe and was about to crush him with a flood of law Latin when the door opened. "'You gotta excuse me for butting in, Mr. Feldman,' said a harsh voice, which presently was seen to issue from the person of Morris Perlmutter. "'But me and my partner has got to get back to the store, and Max and his partner is also busy today.' "'I'll be with you in just one moment, Mr. Perlmutter,' Feldman replied. "'You says that an hour ago,' Morris grumbled as he closed the door behind him. "'Now, Mr. Kronberg,' Feldman continued. I'd like to elucidate this situation for you as succinctly as possible. Do that afterward, if you gotta do it. Uncle Moshe broke in. But just now tell me what the trouble is. What's the use talking to a mutt that don't understand the English language at all? 
feldman cried listen here to me you bought your house from a fellow called nathan baum sure i did uncle moshe said you remember him samet he went to work and got killed in a railroad accident ten years ago already don't interrupt feldman cried nathan baum was the brother of max baum a former owner of the house max baum died while he owned the house and he left no will and nathan baum claimed the house as the only heir of max baum that's right moshe agreed nathan baum was the only relative in the world which max baum got it he had a sister but she died before max was max baum's sister ever married mr jones asked in funeral accents sure she was married moshe answered she was married to sam gershon he works for years by richter as a cutter sam is dead too do they have any children mr jones inquired one boy they had uncle moshe said shall i ever forget it what a beautiful boy that was mr feldman a regular picture mrs gershon thinks a whole lot of that boy too i bet you never mind the trimmings kronberg feldman broke in is the boy alive that's what we're anxious to know mr jones interrupted my company had ascertained that there was one son but we couldn't find out if he were dead or alive if the boy was alive mrs gershon would be alive too moshe said mrs gershon died on account of that boy what a lovely boy that was i can see him now the way he looked he had eyes black like coal and a here uncle moshe stopped short his jaw dropped and his fishy gray eyes seemed to start from his head as he gazed at the door it stood ajar some six inches and exposed the features of a person impatient to the point of frenzy excuse me mr feldman said the intruder i may be a rube from texas you understand but i got my feelings too and unless you come in here right away and close the matter up me and my partner will go and get our agreement fixed up somewhere else i'll be with you in just one moment mr gershon feldman replied gershon uncle moshe muttered gershon he rose to his feet and tottered across the room toward the doorway but at the threshold his strength failed him and he fell headlong to the floor in the scene of confusion that followed only henry d feldman remained calm he touched the electric button on his desk go down to the algonquin building and fetch a doctor he said to the office boy who responded and on your way out see if we have any blank petitions for administration in the surrogates court if we haven't buy a couple on your way back the old man may not pull through when uncle moshe's eyes opened in consciousness of his surroundings they rested on max gershon who bent over the old man as anxiously as did either of his nephews max gershon ain't it uncle moshe asked feebly gershon nodded you shouldn't try to talk he said i'm all right uncle moshe replied i need only a cup of coffee if Aaron would let me get it before I came here, this would never have happened. Aaron recognized the justice of his uncle's criticism by personally seeking a nearby restaurant, and after an interval of ten minutes, during which Abe and Morris took turns with Max and Alex in fanning the patient, he returned with a pot of steaming coffee. 
Uncle Mosher drank three cups in rapid succession and heaved a great sigh. "'You ain't got maybe a cigar about you, Max,' he said. "'Smoke this, Uncle Mosher,' Alex Kronberg cried, pulling a large satiny invincible from his waistcoat pocket and thrusting it at his uncle. For one hesitating minute the old man looked from Alex to the cigar, but at last its glossy perfection overcame his scruples. "'Much obliged, Alex,' he said. "'That's all right,' Alex mumbled as he struck a match. "'How do you feel now, Uncle?' First rate,' Uncle Moshe replied as he blew out great clouds of smoke. "'Although I ought to feel a whole lot worse, Alex.' when I seen Maxie Gershon here. Twenty-five years ago I seen him last, and he looks the same fat-faced fellow with the black eyes. Only to think he now comes back and takes away half my house from me. I ain't come back to do no such thing, Max cried. I could assure you, Mr. Kronberg, although me and Alex Kronberg is going as partners together, I never knew until I seen you here that you is any relation of his. As for your house, Mr. Kronberg, I don't know nothing about it at all. Don't you? Uncle Moshe exclaimed. Well, I'll tell you. It's like this. Stegan! Aaron hissed. Don't open your mouth, Uncle Moshe. What do you mean, don't open my mouth? Uncle Moshe retorted. Do you think I'm a crook? If I got a house which don't belong to me at all, then I don't want it. He turned his back on Aaron and straightway he narrated the full circumstances surrounding his purchase of the Madison Street house. Certainly, I ain't no lawyer nor nothing, he continued, but when old Max Baum died, you was due to get just as much as your Uncle Nathan out of his estate, and if Nathan Baum swindled me out of my money by claiming he owns the whole thing, that couldn't give me no right to your share, ain't it? Max nodded. Then what ain't mine I don't want at all? Uncle Moshe continued, And so, Maxie, you and me gives Leon Samet here a deed of the house, and Leon pays us the balance of $8,000. Out of that, you get $4,375, because me, I already got $750. Are you agreeable to fix it that way, Samet? Leon looked at Aaron Kronberg who was gulping convulsively in an effort to express adequately all he felt. At length, he commenced to address his uncle in husky tones. "'You cutthroat!' he croaked. "'You robber, you! You shed my blood! Give me back my seven hundred and fifty dollars!' "'Your seven hundred and fifty, Uncle Moshe exclaimed. "'That's what I said!' Aaron went on. His voice rose to a hoarse scream as he proceeded. Do you think anyone else would give $43,000 for that doghouse but me? Semit ain't got nothing to do with it. He's only a dummy. So, Leon Samet said bitterly, I'm only a dummy, am I? Wait, one minute, Uncle Moshe cried. Do you mean you told me, Mr. Samet, that you was buying this here house for Aaron? Well, that's about the size of it, Leon admitted. Then what are you kicking about? Uncle Moshe said, you are a dummy. Throughout the moving scenes of that entire afternoon, Leon had acted the part of a disinterested onlooker to the point of lethargy, but now he fairly glared at Uncle Moshe. I don't get to stay here to be called names, 
he said. My trouble's what you got to stay here for. Uncle Moshe retorted, Yes, boys, what do you think for a highwayman like that Aaron Kronberg? Aaron blushed a fiery red. Come on, Leon, he said. Let's get out of this. Hold on, Max Gershon shouted. Don't you do nothing of the kind, Samet. Me and Mr. Moshe Kronberg, we own this here house together, and he made a contract with you to sell you this here house which I stand by. Do you want to take it or not? Because if not, you would keep your $750. Leon Samet emitted a huge guffaw. That worries me a whole lot, he replied. As Aaron just told you, the 750 belongs to him. Very true, Feldman interrupted. But it was you who engaged me to examine that title, Mr. Samet, and my fees and disbursements in this matter amount to $500. Leon Samet sat down again. Come on, Leon, Aaron cried. What are you waiting for? Do you mean to told me, Mr. Feldman, I owe you five hundred dollars? Leon asked. Five hundred and eight dollars and forty-two cents, to be exact, said Feldman, crunching a slip of paper. Then all I gotta say is, Leon declared, I got here a certified check for eight thousand dollars which Aaron Cromberg gives me, and I would sure hold it until he secures me against your bill. "'Say, looky here, boys,' Alex Kronberg said at length. "'I've been listening to this here Megillah, and I ain't said a word nor nothing, but I'll tell you what I'll do. It's a cinch that Uncle Moshe won't go to live with Aaron now, so I'll take him to live with me.' "'I am agreeable,' said Uncle Moshe. "'Furthermore,' Alex continued, "'Uncle Moshe and Max will keep the house.' I will also pay Mr. Feldman his five hundred dollars, and take it out of the seven hundred and fifty which Aaron paid Uncle Moshe. The balance of two hundred and fifty Aaron shall have back again. I am content, Uncle Moshe replied. I don't want none of Aaron's money, and you could take it from me, Alex. Aaron would never see none of my money. And now, gentlemen, let us fix up this co-partnership agreement, Max Gershon said, as Aaron Kronberg slunk out of the office, followed by Leon Samet. Mr. Potash and Mr. Perlmutter have wasted pretty near the whole afternoon here. That's all right, Abe said. I don't consider we wasted any time. Many a night I threw away four dollars taking a customer on the theater yet, when the show wasn't near so good as what we seen it this afternoon, and the customer ain't bought no goods off me anyhow. Don't you worry yourself about that, Abe, Max cried. You got a couple of customers at this show which they would buy goods from you so long as we are in business. Don't you forget it. Ain't I right, Alex? Alex nodded. Come on, Uncle Moshe, he said. Come inside with us and see this through. I'll wait out here, Uncle Moshe replied. I got enough excitement for one afternoon. He waited until Mr. Jones of the title company had packed up his papers, and then, after Henry D. Feldman had followed the others into the adjoining room, he had closed the door behind him, Uncle Moshe touched the button on Feldman's desk. "'Go out and buy for me an evening paper,' he said to the boy who responded. "'Say,' the boy replied, "'there was a doctor waiting to see you for more than half an hour.' "'Tell him to wait a little longer yet,' Moshe rejoined. "'I may got to have him after I'm seeing the paper.' "'He ain't here now,' the boy said. "'He went away and says you should send him a check for five dollars.' I hope he didn't need the money for nothing particular, Uncle Moshe commented. On account he stands a good show to be disappointed. Hurry up with the paper. 
Ten minutes after the boy returned, he handed an evening paper to Uncle Moshe, who hastily planted a pair of pince-nez on his broad, flat nose and folded back the financial page. Now let's give a look, he murmured to himself as he glanced hastily at the column marked The Stock Market. At the head of the list appeared the following item. Sales, 45,100 amalgamated refineries. Highest, 46 and 5 eighth. Lowest, 38 and a half. Closing, 38 and a half. Net change, minus four and an eighth. Wiped again, he muttered as he dropped the paper to the floor. Half an hour later, when Alex and Max Gershon came out of the adjoining room with the co-partnership agreement duly executed, they found Uncle Moshe calmly smoking the last of his cigar while he pondered over the news for investors column. The tabulated list of quotations was not unnoticed by Max, as he felt for another cigar to present to the old man. Do you ever speculate in Wall Street, Mr. Kronberg? he asked. Once it upon a time I used to, Uncle Moshe replied, but never no more, Maxie. It's a game which you couldn't beat. Take it from me, Maxie, not if you was a hundred times so smart as old man Baum. Well, Abe, Morris Perlmutter remarked as they sat in their showroom ten days after the events above noted, I did mix up in Alex Kronberg's family matters, and with all your croaking, what is the result? Alex has a good partner, Uncle Moshe has a good home, and ourselves we got a good order for three thousand dollars, which otherwise we wouldn't have got at all. What are you talking nonsense, Morris? Abe said. Things wouldn't have turned out the way they did if it wouldn't be. I met Max Gershon and Hammersmiths. That's what started it, Morris. Nothing of the kind, Abe, Morris retorted. What started it, Abe, was me when I went down to Madison Street and gave Uncle Moshe that cigar, Abe. I tell you, Abe, it's an old saying and a true one. Throw away a loaf of bread in the water, you understand? And sooner or later, Abe, it would come home like chickens to roost. End of chapter 3